Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Well, I hope you guys are doing good. My name is Caleb Clay, and obviously a lot of you guys know me, but there are some new faces that I haven't ever met you. So, But I am the family pastor here with my wife, Crystal. She just stepped out to be with our students tonight. A little background, if you guys will just bear with me a little bit. I'll give you a little bit of my testimony and give you a little more insight into who I am. So I was always born and raised in a godly family. From Literally, I was born into the church, is what my parents always tell me. So growing up, I grew up and I was born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so we lived in a small little suburb called Sand Springs. And I lived there until I was 17 years old. And so in the same house. We went to the same church. My dad was an associate pastor. Then he stepped down as associate pastor, took on the Ministry of Helps role, was in charge of all the the Ministry of Helps, which is kind of like our Elevate staff, those who just serve. He was over that. He did the discipleship classes in church. So we were the preacher's kids, the PKs, is what me and my brother were. We lived at the church. I mean, we knew every awesome hiding spot in that entire building. We We could go disappear for hours. And no one would ever come looking for us because they would just be like, well, they're here somewhere. Except for the time my brother got left at church because my mom and dad thought they both had the other person had him. And then they got 10 minutes down the road and then realized, where's Josh? And they get a phone call from the church. Hey, Josh is still here. And oh, my gosh. And they had to go back. So that's that's my childhood is we were always at church and we were always serving and looking for opportunities to be able to put our hand to something. And so growing up, I had an awesome example for parents. And so that really, as I got older, I started realizing how valuable that was and how much of an honor for me to have a godly example to look after. And I mean, I believe they're celebrating almost close to 40 years of marriage coming up. Phenomenal. I mean, just a great godly example. And so as I started growing up, and getting into high school years and getting out of elementary is kind of where it all started, is I remember I was about 11 years old, and I felt just a drawing on my heart that I want to serve with kids. I mean, my mom grew up teaching our K-5 and first grade class, like, every Sunday, forever, loved it, just with so much passion, had like 30 K-5 and first graders, would just minister it, so we would go to first service, and then second service, we would go help mom. We'd go help teach the class. And so I just remember always serving and having something to do and realizing, like, man, these kids understand, and these kids are getting it. And so as I got out of elementary, an opportunity came up, and I was about 11, 12 years old, and they said, hey, we're going to be starting a new class for our fourth and fifth graders. Would you like to assist with that class? I was in youth. I said, oh, I'd love to. So I remember starting off as a kind of a junior assistant. But then I remember the very first day they said, hey, we want you to talk about offering and do the offering today. Oh, man, I was so nervous. And I had no idea what I was even doing. But I knew what offering was. So I was like, well, I'm just going to talk about offering. So we're going to talk about why we give to God. Why does God need our money? He really doesn't need our money, but he needs our heart. So I did that. Well, then I was hooked. I said, man. I want to do this forever. I want to help kids understand. So at a young age, I really felt a draw to children's ministry. 
And so as I got into my teenage years, I really felt called to become a children's pastor. And so I held on to that because I just knew in my heart that's where the Lord wanted me to go. And so I'm just going to tell you right now, that's weird for a 13-year-old boy to be like, hey, I'm called to be a children's pastor. I know it's awesome. But back then, everybody's like, no, no, no. Children's ministry is something you do as a stepping stone to go to where you really want to go. And I'm like, no, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. So we fast forward through the teenage years, and obviously I get into high school. And really, it wasn't a normal high school experience. So my background, I was homeschooled all 12 years of schooling. So some people would be like, oh, you're one of those sheltered homeschoolers. And I'm like, no, no, I had lots of friends. I didn't just socialize at church, but I had friends at the high school. And when I could drive, I would go hang out at the high school. I would go to the football games with all my friends at the high school. That was normal, I thought. I mean, I still think I kind of am, but we'll find out later. I don't know. My mom always says there's always a little weird in everybody, so it's just normal. So, But moving forward, though, so I get into my high school years, and to be honest with you, it, I stayed pretty true. There were some moments where, obviously, I made some bad choices, had to get my heart right and get repentance going. But when I get about 16 years old, um, I'm kind of now focused more on work. I'm going, I'm working a part-time job with my uncle, then going home doing schoolwork, kind of getting a little more independence. Well, in the meantime, my older brother, Joshua, he's four years older than me. Our youth pastor at the time was Pastor Earl Glisson, which if you've been around here long enough, you understand that Pastor Earl Glisson is our senior pastor of Anchor Faith Church, all of them. And he started Anchor Faith Church in St. Augustine. And so, my older brother served underneath Pastor Earl, and when Pastor Earl announced that they were going to be starting a church in 2004 in St. Augustine, my brother said, I'm going. And so he's four years older than me, so obviously my parents are like, you're what? You're, you're moving out of Oklahoma? Well, we don't do that. We don't, we don't leave Oklahoma. I mean, that's, that's what we, we just stay here. And so he moved, and I remember we packed his Jeep down. He had a little Jeep. Wrangler X lifted, all this other stuff. And my dad and my brother packed that thing full, and they drove 16 hours to Florida in a Jeep. My dad said it was horrible, and he would never do that in the rest of his life. <laughs> but so my brother moves to St. Augustine. Well, fast forward to I'm 16 now, about to turn 17, and my parents are actually going down to St. Augustine. My dad was flying down to St. Augustine helping them with a business alliance is what it it was Kingdom First Business Alliance, and he was flying down, ministering once a month at the church. And then all of a sudden, my parents start feeling a draw that they need to be down there to help the ministry and get connected with Anchor Faith Church. Well, they had one problem. Well, they had a lot of problems, but one of their major problems was me. They said, well, Lord, you're going to have to talk to Caleb because he's going to have to make his own decision. He's going to have to make his own call. And back then, be honest with you, I wasn't running around with the greatest of church people. They would go to church, but outside of that, they weren't really living it. And so I was kind of getting torn. I'm just going to give you just realness. And I didn't want to go to Florida. I had no desire. Every time we came down, me and my brother would always fight and bicker. And it led to like knockdown drag outs, throwing him on the couch and hitting the floor and then him slamming my head up against the wall. I mean, it was bad. I didn't want to be there. I was just a dumb teenager. And I thought I knew what I wanted in my life. Come to find out how, how many of us have realized that 
sometimes we don't know what we really want in life, right? Okay, awesome. Glad we got some real people here. But the thing is, is all of a sudden, we go down for a special service. Down in St. Augustine. We fly in for the weekend. And the Lord, I always say the Holy Spirit wrecked me that day. And I remember it very clear that, I'm going to try not to get emotional. If, you, if you've if you hung around me long enough, you will realize I'm an emotional guy. I can hold them really good, but I am just passionate about what the Lord does. And so the Lord was, Pastor Earl was ministering this message called, It's All Planned Out. And it was God's blueprints. And so he was ministering it out of Jeremiah 29, 11, which obviously we all know is, for I have plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a future and a hope and all these good things. And I remember that day, the Holy Spirit grabbing a hold of me so much that at the end of the first service, I couldn't talk. And I sat there, just bawling. And worship comes around for second service, still can't talk, can't even look at anybody. And I'm just on my knees and just literally the Holy Spirit was just dealing with me. And so obviously my parents are stoked. They're all excited because they're like, God, God's doing something. What's he doing? And so after we get done with service, obviously I tell my parents, I was like, we have to move. And they're like, you're moving with us? I said, yeah, we have to. And so it takes a while though. And my dad, he still has a company that's running pretty strong in Oklahoma and big things. And we had rent houses. We had all sorts of things. We built, he built his whole livelihood in Oklahoma. So he's like, how in the world am I going to move to Florida and still keep all this? But the one thing that my dad heard from the Lord was that if you take care of my business, I'll take care of yours. So he said, we're going. And so we ended up packing up the whole family. I loaded up my truck and four-wheelers and dogs and horses and everything else. And we moved to St. Augustine. It was a huge move. It took us like 24 hours. It should not have taken that long, but it did. And almost lost my truck and trailer in Mississippi because the road was all under construction. A semi came in my lane. I went off in a ditch with a 17 or 18-foot box truck. And it was, it was craziness. But we made it. And we get into St. Augustine. And then we go through and we start serving. Well, in 2009 is the year we moved in May to St. Augustine. And before I moved... I had met a man named Mark Brady, and he was the children's pastor of Anchor Faith Church, St. Augustine. And so I remember I had called him one day, and we had met a couple times at my house because he had come in with Pastor Marcus and my brother had come into town doing some stuff. So we had met before just very briefly, but I remember calling him at 17 years old, and I told him, I said, hey, I'm coming down, and I know that I'm called to be a children's pastor one day, so I'm just going to let you know I'm going to be, I want to submit myself under you and whatever you need me to do, I'm going to be there. And so I remember that conversation. And so that put me on a path that Lord knows if he would have shown me where I would be today, I probably never would have gone down that path. But we did. And we, we served. And we put our hands to the plow because it talks about how the kingdom of God is you put your hands to the plow and you don't look back. You don't waste your time on the things behind you, but you just press on. And you just do whatever's necessary. So we did. And we get to 2009. I go to our Bible school in 2010. We started a brand new Bible school in St. Augustine called Kingdom Institute. And it was a three-year Bible school. And I submitted myself to that. We got to be the first graduating class of Kingdom Institute of three years. It was awesome. Phenomenal. Then we get to now 2011, though. 
in between my schooling there, I meet a girl named Crystal Wood. And so obviously Crystal shows up to the church. And so I was at the point where I was like, man, God, it's just me and you. We're going to do this thing forever. And all of a sudden she shows up and I'm like, who's that? Does anybody know who that is? And so, and at that time, she had a little three-year-old girl that was about to turn four running around. And so the first time I ever got to talk to Crystal was I was serving in children's ministry. And we had these special services at night. And Jada comes walking in. She goes, Mr. Taylor, look what my mom gave me. And she had lip gloss and her mom's debit card. I said, hey, let me hold on to those while you go play tonight. And then I, I finally met Crystal by saying, hey, um... Jada said you gave this to her, and I don't think she's supposed to have it. And she got so, oh my gosh, so glad you got it. But we fast forward, we get married in 2011, end of that year. And then all of a sudden, we're a couple years, well, before that, the Lord starts tugging on our heart because in 2011, something else happened. And Pastor Mark and Ashley got called to Valdosta. And I knew I'm supposed to serve. I really feel like I'm connected to Pastor Mark in a way that there's something more. And so in 2009, Pastor Brian and Cheyenne Atkins were over to the church of Saint, the Anchor Faith here in Valdosta. And so I had come up for a couple projects, helping them rebuild some stuff. And I remember very clear, Pastor Brian asked me to come and actually go hunting with him. I'm a, I mean, I'm an Oklahoma country boy living in St. Augustine, Florida. And the first time I get invited to go hunting is in Georgia. I'm in. Let's go. So I remember I'm sitting in a tree stand one night, and the Lord goes, what do you think about Georgia? I said, this is awesome. This is great. He goes, you're going to live here one day. I said, what? I don't know if it's that great, Lord. I don't know about that one. All right. And so we, we moved on. And all of a sudden, me and Crystal are... We're courting, all this other stuff. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, Lord, how are you going to tell her that we're going to move to Georgia one day? Because that's going to be a tough one. Well, in the meantime, she had come up for some projects, and the Lord was dealing on her heart, too. And so we finally had to come together and talking things over, and we realized that we're called. And when Pastor Mark and Ashley had come up, I realized this, this is it. I, I, I understand why. And so I remember we were up here for a project at our old Rimmerton location. We were cleaning out a bunch of stuff, ripping down some walls, trying to get things ready to move to our new location that was going to be off of Highway 84 West. And me and Pastor Mark had to go buy a shop back at Home Depot. I remember I was sitting in his truck, and we were at Home Depot. Right before we get out, he goes, I got a question for you. I said, I already know the answer. He goes, what do you think about you guys coming up and serving with us? And I said, yes. He goes, really? I said, the Lord's already been dealing with our heart. I said, but we'll just come up, whatever you need us to do, we'll be here. And so we did. And it took us a little bit. So we went from 2011 to about 2013. And we had another child in between all that. And we decided, you know what, it's time to go. And I remember very clearly, Pastor Mark, we would always talk about red lights and green lights, right? You know, just in our spirit, like, it's not time yet. But Pastor Mark's like, well, if you got a green light, what are you waiting for? Another green light? I don't know. <laughs> Something else, a word from the Lord, like it's time to move. And so whenever he said that, I was like, man, it's, it's time to go. It's time to step out. And so we did. And that's a whole other testimony in itself where God opened up doors for housing 
to be able to get a phenomenal rent house for the price that we needed in the exact time frame we needed. Got to move in early, not having to pay extra for the rent. All sorts of things just got opened up, but it got us here. And so now here we are, 2021 now, and we look back and we see how faithful God's been. But it didn't just come just from God. It took obedient steps from me and Pastor Crystal and our family. And we tell Jada and our kids, Jada and Ella and Isaac all the time that, listen, it's not just us obeying God. It's us as a family. We all say yes, because not God didn't just call Caleb and Crystal, but he called Caleb, Crystal, Jada, Ella, Isaac to come and be a part of this ministry and do what God wants us to do. Because one thing at Anchor Faith Church that I'll probably give those references a lot that we do at, here at Anchor Faith Church is that we don't believe in just a children's ministry. It's a family ministry. Because when we minister to those children, it's eventually going to ripple effect back to you parents in that you will then reap the benefits of what they're hearing. And that we get to sow as family pastors, me and Pastor Crystal, we get to not only sow into your children's, but we can sow into your lives. And we can be a benefit and a blessing and a resource to you guys. And so it took us quite a few steps. It wasn't an overnight thing. It was years of preparation, years of just saying, yes, Lord, whatever you need. I mean, here's a fun fact for you guys that a lot of you did not know. When we first started and came May of 2000 or July of 2013, I was the worship leader. Me, on the stage. And I had a dude playing guitar and Pastor Mark on the drums. And that was it. I told Pastor Mark, I don't want to do this. He said, I need you to. I need you to pull out that gift. I said, I don't want to, though. And he said, well, I need you to until we, we get it built up and we get it. And we had Nikki up there singing with us. And, I mean, we did it. Every Sunday, I would get up there and my hand would be like this. All right, guys, you guys ready to worship with us? All right, here we go. Ah! Oh, sorry, let's do this again. Horrible. That's terrible. But we were faithful. And then it finally took Pastor Marcus being like, dude, you're not worshiping for them. You're worshiping for God. Stop worrying about what you sound like. Just allow the Holy Spirit to change their ears to hear what they, what they need to hear. Okay, awesome. Let's do this. So... We start serving, we start worshiping, we're doing all these other things, and then thank you, Jesus for Robert. Amen? Thank you, Jesus for Robert. So Robert shows up, steps in, and all of a sudden I look over at Pastor Mark, and I said, is he the guy? Is he the guy? And he goes, I think he could be the guy. I'm like, no, he is the guy. Let's just hand it over. He's the guy. And he's like, no, we got to give him time to get it. I'm like, how much time? Like a week? He can do this next Sunday. I got this. I'm out. But it didn't happen like that. But it took steps of obedience to literally step into the positions, step into the calls. And one thing I've learned over the years is positions mean nothing. They really don't. Because I was talking to an individual just the other day, and we were talking about pastors. And he was asking me, he was like, so you're a pastor right here. Because if you didn't know, I work bivocational, and I work in an automotive shop. And so I work on cars. I'm a mechanic by trade. And so those type of environments are not the most acceptable for Christ-like behavior. Well, normal shops. Whenever it's my shop and I'm in it, it becomes a kingdom shop. That's what I just say and I tell everybody all the time. But it's so funny because I don't even have to 
say anything. And now what I do when a new person comes in, I don't mention anything. I just tell them my name, who I am, and I give it about two days. And all of a sudden they will come over to me. I didn't know you were a pastor. I hear you. I, I guess you've heard about me then. Hmm, great. And they're like, if I said anything, I'm so sorry. I said, it does not bother me. You should not be apologizing to me. If you feel like you need to apologize, you might want to apologize to God. And they're like, oh, okay. So, but I was talking to somebody in the shop the other day, and we were talking about pastors. And I said, man, so many times people put a pastor on a pedestal. And they, well, they are the man of God. That's absolutely correct. Well, they are supposed to be way up here obeying God. Absolutely. But did you know that in God's eyes, he only sees Jesus? Yes, he gives different giftings. Yes, he gives different assignments. But when he looks down at us, he sees his son. Because that's what Jesus did for us, is he took away all of our sins. So even though we are pastors, we're still humans. We're, we're just like you guys, but we just choose every day to take another step forward, to take another step in our relationship with Christ, that we want to do everything that we can to be like Paul and be like, you know what? Follow my example as I follow Christ. I want to be somebody you can look at. And I tell people all the time, I said, I understand that, especially at my shop. I said, I understand when I have these conversations, I am putting a huge bullseye right on this shiny head right up here. I said, because now you're going to be watching. I said, but watch, follow, listen. I said, if you have questions, come ask me. There's one guy, he is a deep theologian. And I tell him all the time, how do you think of these questions? I don't understand. I mean, like deep, where I'm like, dude, that's, that's not a walk-by conversation. You do understand that that answer requires like we sit down and have coffee for a couple hours. And he's like, okay, well, we'll get, we'll get to le together later. And it's like, uh, well, we will. I don't think you're really wanting that knowledge. I think you're just asking questions. But the biggest thing is that we had to take steps, listening to the voice of God, being obedient, and just serving. And so with that long introduction, we're going to get into our message tonight. And it was hilarious because I was... When Pastor Mark asked me a couple weeks ago to fill in, and you guys will have the honor of having Pastor Chris on Sunday, so you definitely want to be here for that. But he said, I'm going to be out of town. I would like you to cover on Wednesday. And so I had some awesome messages. I think they were pretty awesome. But, man, it just was not. And I tell, we were asking Pastor Mark the other day. I said, man, do you ever get nervous before you get up there and minister? And he goes, it's not really nerves. He goes, it's just more of a heaviness where you want to make sure you clearly communicate the way that the Spirit wants. And so I was getting ready for tonight, and man, I had these scriptures that I've been really meditating on and this message, and the Holy Spirit was just dealing with me. I said, well, and my, my wife texted me, she's like, hey, I got my youth lesson ready, and it's awesome. I said, kind of jealous about that, because, and she goes, I thought you were ready. I said, nope, I have no idea what we're going to do tonight. And then I'm backing a car because this is how cool the Holy Spirit is. doesn't matter if you're at work. doesn't matter if you're at your house by yourself. He's going to talk to you. And so I'm literally backing a car out of the shop, and I go, oh, hold on. And so I grab my phone, stop really quick, grab my phone, do a voice memo, and put it back in my pocket, and I roll on. 
But the only thing he reminded me of is I've been looking around town quite a bit. And when I go on test drives, I see these signs. And all they say is help wanted, apply within. See them everywhere now. And even we've, we've put some up at our shop and all this stuff. But you understand that for the kingdom of God, God's always wanting our help. He actually designed, he needs our help. He can't do it without us. But the only problem is that sometimes we don't want to apply what's within us to the outside to serve others. And so tonight we're talking about help wanted. And the very first thing that we have to do, did you put it up there? Look at that. Look at that. Media team on point tonight, gentlemen. I see y'all. Y'all are awesome. But the very first thing I want to go to, because this is God's original design for mankind, is that he designed from Genesis all the way through Revelation so that he needed you and I. I mean, I know that sounds really strange coming from, you know, God, but that's what his whole design was. And obviously we know the scripture of Genesis 1.26, but we're going to look at it again because it's in Genesis 1.26 through 28. Yeah, we got plenty of time. We're great. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him, both male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so God's original kingdom plan for earth was always including mankind. Nowhere in that scripture did God say, I will rule over it, and man will watch. Or I will have dominion over the entire earth, and I will give duties to men, give job assignments. He never said that. He said, I am removing myself out of the equation, and now man will rule earth just as I rule heaven. And so it puts us on this projection now that God wanted to establish his heavenly kingdom on earth through the hearts of men. And so he created the garden. And if you go back through and you look at the other six days of creation right before this, he created everything that Adam and Eve would need to succeed in life before they were even a thought. He said, I will create everything they need and then I will place them over. That's why he didn't create man on day two. That's why he didn't create him on day four. He said, I will wait until I have this place ready for them. And then now that it's set, man's now going to be in charge. And so he put him in charge. Well, then we go, you know, two chapters over. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3. And we realize that man fell. And he fell from dominion. He handed over his rulership on the earth by simply disobeying God's word. God said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because the day you eat it, you will surely die. Then the serpent shows up and he says, hey, what did God say? You can't eat from any of these trees? And they're like, no, God didn't say that. God said we couldn't eat from that one. And he's like, ha that one. Let's go take a look. Come on, look at it. You see it? Isn't it nice? Doesn't it look so good? Oh, God knows that the day you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be just like him, knowing both good and evil. Here's the problem. They were so much like God 
They couldn't have been even closer. But because of this desire and because of this self-want of I want more, I could do this better, I could take control. Same thing that Satan did. Satan said, I will put my throne above Bethlehem. I will rule. I will do all this. Same spirit was leading them to that temptation, and they fell. And obviously we know that death was not a physical death, but it was a spiritual death. And they lost dominion or the ruling over the earth, handed it over freely. And so we fast forward to Jesus. And Jesus comes not in the form of God floating down as a spirit and hovering over everything, but he came in a form of a man. And he had to come through that avenue because guess who God put in charge of the earth? Man. Everybody pinch yourself really quick. Wake yourself up. Feel that? You feel that? By the way, if you do feel that, congratulations. You're still alive. You're doing great. But when you realize that this is legal access to the earth, my skin suit is what allows me to be here. Without this, I don't rule and reign. I can't. But because I have legal access now that God has given me, I now can step into this position. But you see that God had this whole plan in motion. And Jesus comes. We just celebrated Easter, which is the resurrection of our risen king. And because of that sacrifice, he once and for all paid the debt for all mankind. And I was telling the kids just the other day, I said, here's the thing. When you mess up and when you sin, did you know Jesus never goes back to the cross? He doesn't. Because he's once and for all paid the ultimate price. So there's not a bill that gets sent back to God and says, well, Pastor Caleb just sinned, so now, God, you owe me. No, God looks over at Jesus, and he sees that hand with the hole, and he goes, no, it's been paid, paid in full. So just because he did fall or just because he did stumble, all he has to do is do this one thing, ask for forgiveness. And when we ask for forgiveness, then we're in right standing or in right alignment with the governing authority, God. And we start to live our life. And it puts us on the best path we could ever imagine. But that path involves other people. It involves other things too. And we have to understand that when you become part of God's kingdom, he has a three-step plan, right? We got to experience a lot of it on Sunday. First of all, you got to be born again. Because of sin nature that comes into the earth, our spirit man must be renewed to who God wants us to be. So we ask Jesus to be our Lord, not just our Savior, but we ask him to be our Lord. Lord literally means owner of property. He owns it all. And so we say, God, I'm giving you my life to serve you and to do whatever you have called me to do. Then he says, once you've been born again, water baptism is a physical representation of what you just did spiritually. So we will now show everybody that, hey, I confess Jesus as my Lord. And because of that, you will now watch the old man get dead, be crucified with Christ, be buried, and now resurrected, coming out of the water saying, I'm a new person in him. The old is now stuck down there and that I will now live my life to please God. And then he has a third option, not option, third assignment for you. Because it's not an option, really. For the life of a believer, it is not an option. 
is the Holy Spirit and being endued with power from on high to be his witness. And when he talked about this in Acts 1.8, he said that he would come and he would give us power to be his witness. And so he had this plan. Well, once you are his believer, you have this purpose, you have this assignment, you have a part to play. And so our first scripture that we're going to go to, second scripture, my bad, is 1 Corinthians 12. And it says, but now God has placed members, each of them in the body, just as he desired. Does it say that on there? Yes, it does right there. Everybody say that with me. Say just as he desired. So who desired it? God did. Not Pastor Caleb, not Pastor Chris, not Jonathan. No, no. God desired it. So guess what? He knows you. He knows what's in you. He knows the plans he has for you. He knows the purpose he's assigned you. And he knows what part you are to play in his body. And it says that it's just as he desired. And so we read on and it says, that and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, then all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Let me ask you this question. Who's ever stubbed your toe in the middle of the night? So here's a new thing of the Clay household is Isaac is a huge fan of real Legos. Not the little Duplos, not the little big box. I mean, Legos. So the other night, little homie decides he's going to play Legos on daddy's side of the bed. I saw them, definitely saw them. But at 2 o'clock in the morning when the dog needed to go out, guess who didn't see the Legos? This guy. And I will tell you right now, the bottom of my heel let my whole body know there's a problem. There's a big problem right here. And so I am stumbling around and crystals. What is going on? And, oh, Legos. Huh. So Legos got put up for a little bit in the clay household because they were not getting put up properly. But just from that little tiny Lego on the bottom of my heel, which is pretty small down here, it let my whole body know there's a big problem. There's big problems down there that needs attention right now. And it's those simple things that we understand that, guess what? That's definitely connected. Not standing alone by itself over in the corner, not doing what the rest of the body's doing. No, it's connected to me. And so even though we are individual members of Christ's body, we're all Christ's body. We all have a part to play. It even goes on to say that the eye can't say to, or the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Or the eye can't say to the ear, I have no need of you. Because guess what? It plays a different role. I mean, I was listening to one minister and he said, man, just imagine if you just decided to start Xing off things that you didn't understand about your body. Gallbladder, I don't know what that is. Get rid of that. Lung, I got two of those. Let's get rid of one. Let's, let's cut weight. He said, how detrimental would that be? He goes, well, just imagine the body of Christ looking at people saying, well, we, got, we already got one of you, so we really don't need you. He goes, who are you to say they're not needed? He said, God desired, and he had a plan, and it says that it was his pleasure to put you there. But we all have a part to play. 
And then moving on, we shouldn't miss coming to church. I'm going to show you why. We're going to go over to Hebrews chapter 10. And this is a big one. And even when I was putting this, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to step on some toes. And if you're listening online, you cannot experience Anchor Faith Church in one message. You have to hear it at least five times. And so don't just stop listening. Just listen. Come experience Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, And let's consider how to stimulate one another in love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, are we seeing the day drawing near? I mean, there's a lot of people that we do believe that this is a true statement, and we can all agree on this one. We are the closest people to Christ's return. Right now, 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 right now. Every second is the closest that there's ever been. But as we look around us and as we see cultures and as we see 2020, dear Lord. I mean, I remember looking at Pastor Mark and literally telling him, like, hey, we are with you. Whatever you decide, we will do it. And I remember me and Pastor Crystal having conversations and me telling Pastor Crystal, I'm just going to let you know that for some weird reason, Pastor Mark ends up in jail, I will be with him. And I settled that early on in my heart. Like, hey, if it comes down to it, I will go with him. Because we understand the world we live in. And that as the day gets darker, you understand what happens to light in darkness, correct? The darker the darkness gets, the brighter the smallest flame will be. If you're in the cave and you can't see anything, well, I remember growing up, we would go explore these caves in Arkansas and go all around and stuff, and you would get so far back in there that there was zero light pollution. I mean, you had zero light at all. And I remember that we would shut off our lights, and you could have somebody right here you could feel their breath, but you could not see their face. I mean, it was dark, but the moment you turned your headlamp on, you could see everything because light always overpowers darkness. And so as the day gets darker and as the days get darker, guess who's going to become brighter and brighter? It's those who are connected to Christ and those who trust him and serve him and put their everything in him. And so as we look here, it says, obviously, we don't, we don't forsake the assemblings together. Because, yes, could we do church online? Absolutely. We did for a season because we had to. But then Pastor Mark went last Easter, a week ago, a year ago, right? Last week, a year ago. There we go. And Pastor Mark approached our mayor and said, can we do a drive-in service? He said, please don't advertise it. But yes, go ahead. And so we did for our church family. And if you were here, you got to experience it. I remember I sat on the hood at the very top of my Tahoe in the very back of the parking lot. And it was awesome. And we did communion together. Mr. Gavin over here handed me a roll, a dinner roll. Guess what? That's what I used for my bread. It was awesome. And I'm pretty sure I had a Gatorade to drink. I don't think that's very scriptural. But, you know, hey, we used what we had. But here's the thing is that, we understand the importance of coming together because we are a body. We are joined and knitted together and that we all have a part to play. 
And then we are called to be participants, not spectators. Dear Lord, I, I can look around, and I'll say this about our church, is we have some very awesome participators. I mean, here we go. You ready for this? Ready, everybody ready to look around? If you serve in an area, please raise your hand, any of them. Okay, everybody look around. It's Wednesday night. I knew this would work because there's a lot. Because we all understand that there's something we can put our hand to, that there's a avenue, a resource that we can get plugged into, and that as we continue to grow, one thing at Anchor Faith Church that we have never said is that we're a small church. Never. I remember coming on leadership staff at a very, I mean, Mr. Chuck, you remember this. We used to have services for one person because everybody else in that building was serving, doing something. So we'd have one person during praise and worship out in the audience. And then when we would all get off stage, the congregation would turn about 15. And then that was it. But one thing Pastor Mark and Ashley always had on their heart, they said, we are not a small church, we are a growing church. And from day one, that's what we always confessed. And so I remember people would walk in and we just love this church so much because it's so, it's just so small and everybody just knows everybody. I'm like, you're not going to like it for much longer. I'm sorry. You're really not. And if you don't like small, or you don't like big churches, you might want to rethink heaven because, you know, it's going to be a big church. Sorry to crush your little sacred cow there, but God desires all to come to repentance to go to heaven. So all is a big word, right? All means all. But we all, anyway, moving on. So we always knew we're going to grow. But one of the ways that we knew from the very foundation of our service is that if you want to get connected, you serve. You want to get to know people, get into an area of ministry that you can put your hand to, and you'll start to get to know. Not only will you have a team leader who's praying for you. I mean, me and Pastor Crystal, we have a whole list of everybody who serves in the family ministry. And guess what? Sunday mornings, whenever I'm going through, I'll go through my list and see who's serving that day. And I'll just take some time and just pray for those people. Of, hey, they're going to have an anointed class. Their classroom is going to be filled with so much peace, so much joy, so much love that when those children walk out of those classrooms, they will be forever touched for the kingdom of God. Because guess what? You matter. You have a part to play. And so we are participants. We're not spectators. And so over in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, actually, nope, back up. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is. Who's going to prove it? You are. And then it says, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. You get to prove that because you are transforming your mind and you're doing God's work. It's not Pastor Caleb. It's not Pastor Mark. It's not the worship team. It's you. And then we move on. That God has a place for you in his church to help. Did you know that? God does not look at the body of Christ and say, mm, we're getting a little full. I don't think I got a spot for them. No, no, no. He's designed it. I mean, one of the things that I grew up doing, because back in Oklahoma, we built this beautiful house with my grandparents, my mom's parents. And so I always remember my grandpa had these puzzles, right? Like big puzzles. And he would always have them on our dining room table, and we would always be building them. And I, the other day I was like, man, 
I really want to do a puzzle. I think a puzzle would be great. One thing I learned, puzzles are not great when you have a three-year-old. So we're going to wait on puzzles for a little bit. But have you ever done a puzzle and you couldn't find, well, let's just say about 15 pieces. I mean, it leaves a little bit of a hole, doesn't it? The picture does not become complete until you put the last piece in. And then it's like, oh, it's done. Well, that's what Christ is doing in his body, is he is placing people where it pleases him and getting them into their fit, their assignment. And man, when you get placed, it, it gives you one of those, oh, this is it. This is it. I remember I was listening to somebody the other day, and they were talking about how they one of their biggest passions and one of their biggest things they're thankful for is they said that I get to serve in my church's nursery. I'm like, oh, you are a special person. I love you. You're my favorite. Because they realize, man, this is where I fit in. I might not fit in at the door. That might not be my fit. I don't like talking to people. But, man, I can sure love on some babies. I can pray in the Spirit. I can sing in the Spirit over them and just allow them to have so much sweet sleep while their parents go and hear the message. And it takes those members of the body coming together but participating, not just sitting back saying, oh, here's, here's one. Here's a kicker. Can you guys handle this? You guys good? You all with me? Okay. If I step on toes, I meant to. So I'm just going to say that. But here's one of the most dangerous statements in the kingdom of God. Somebody else will do it. It is. Because I'll guarantee you this. If the Lord's tugging on your heart, you are the one for the job. I tell people all the time in our leadership that if the Lord's telling you about it, they always come over, Pastor Caleb, I think you need to be doing this. I think you need to do this. Well, I, I didn't get that. But if the Lord's talking to you about it, maybe we need to pursue you looking into that more. And obviously, we'll make sure it lines up with the vision of Anchor Faith Church. But maybe God's put that on your heart for that reason. Because we never want to get to the spot where we say, well, somebody else will do it. No, no, no. Let's get to the spot that says, if no one else will do it, I will. I'll be there. For those that came out Saturday and helped set up all the chairs with Mr. Daryl, thank you. Thank you for coming and serving. Because guess what you did? You were a resource. You were hands to the plow moment saying, I'll be there. I mean, Miss Kimberly, where is Kimberly? She's not here tonight. Mr. Gavin, Mr. Stephen, and Miss Diana, guess what they were doing Saturday? Wait, Saturday or Friday? I don't remember. I was up here one of those nights. They were freshening up our garden beds out front. They were going through, planting new flowers, putting mulch out. It was hot. It was super hot. But guess what? When you guys walked up, who actually didn't notice? Just didn't notice, right? See? Thank you for your honesty. Because guess what? A lot of times nobody would. But I guarantee you this. If it was overgrown or if it had weeds coming out everywhere, that would be the first thing you noticed. Walk over and be like, ooh, what is wrong with that? Is nobody, nobody taking care of this garden over here? I mean, that looks bad. But whenever it's in place, I bet you this. Who recognized there was toilet paper in the bathroom. Anybody? Anybody? I did. Because guess what? We made sure it was in there on Sunday. Daryl was like, that toilet paper's getting low. I said, change it out. Let's just get fresh one. Yeah, I mean, that's happened too before. I mean, 
There's been many, I will say this, one thing you do recognize in a bathroom when you run out is paper towels, because everybody comes out with wet hands going, Pastor Caleb, we're out of paper towels. I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'll be there in a second. Hold on, let's get this taken care of. But God wants you to participate, and he has a place for you to do it. And so let's carry on. I got a couple more scriptures, and we're wrapping it up tonight, because we are right there about our time. I did tell the youth, I'm sorry, I will say this. By the way, you all have some great kids, just throwing that out there. Our, our family ministry is by far my favorite. And I will say that, and I will say that I will put it up against any other church because it's awesome, and our staff is amazing. So next time you see our family ministry staff, please tell them thank you for what they do and their hearts are served because literally we can put out a just quick note. And we had people on Sunday coming back and, hey, do you guys need anything? Are you guys good? Do we need to step in? What is there for me to do? Do you need help? Phenomenal. What other ministry has people that just want to come back there and serve when they're not on the schedule? But that's Anchor Faith Church. That's what, who we are. But what was I saying? Oh, youth, youth, your students. One thing they have requested for me to do is give them a little extra time. Because <laughs> they're like, we're always running out of time. So yeah, I told them, I said, oh, you know what, I'm ministering. We'll, we'll go a little bit over eight. So we're almost there. But let's see. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Here we go. You guys ready for this? Now are you are Christ's body and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, then helps. Everybody say helps. Okay. Helps. Okay. Just going to let you know, normally your little people are way louder than you. So I'm just going to throw that out there for you guys. We can, we can take it up a notch. It's okay. But it says helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. But one thing I want to look at is helps. So in the Greek, what this literally means is to give help or to give aid or to come alongside to support. Right? Makes sense? But here's the thing. So my dad has started this new, I don't want to call it a hobby, but it's a new endeavor. Let's go with that. And he is learning New Testament Greek. Like, he can write it now. And so I'm asking him about this definition, you know, and then all of a sudden he goes straight Greek scholar on me. And I'm like, yo, homie, I'm just needing the definition. That's all I was looking for. And he's like, let me break this down for you. If you take this, I'm like, way over my head, way over my head. He's like, you took Greek when you were like 12. I'm like, exactly. I was 12, dad. I just learned like, you know, the Greek alphabet. That's all I learned. And so that's it. But one of the things he pointed out to me is that this word broken down in the Greek literally has a definition meaning not to gain or receive. Because, you know, so many times we want to talk about helps as like, you're helping me. I'm receiving the help. But he said, no, the, de the Greek definition in this verse literally means to give help. To be on the giving side, not receiving. And so we were designed to be helpers, to be able to come alongside, to give aid. And so even going all the way back into the Old Testament and looking at different examples, one of the ones that always stood out to me is Moses. And that when Moses was there back in, let me see, I, I wrote all this down, let me see. Back in Exodus 17, Aaron and her were with Moses and the battle was raging. But here's the thing, is that Moses had to have his arms up. And as his arms were up, the battle was winning. But his when his arms fell, they started losing. 
So Aaron and Herb came alongside to give aid and they lifted his arms up for him. And as they lifted up the man of God's arms, the battles were winning. But it took people recognizing that there's a part to play here and stepping into that role and saying, I'm here, what do you need? And saying, I'm here to lift you up. Well, how much more important is it today in our society to be lifting up our pastors and to be able to come alongside them and not, because I will tell you this about Pastor Mark and Ashley, that they're the real deal. I mean, that is probably the best compliment I could ever give them because they are the real deal. I mean, I've seen them in those late night hours and those midnight phone calls, going to hospitals, going to people's doorsteps and just, they're there. They are shepherds of the flock and that they know, really, they pray for every one of them. There's a lot of them now we've been talking. It's like, man, there's a lot of new people. Do you know their name? And it's like, I haven't met them yet. I've been in class. I've seen them passing by. But they still know your face. And they're lifting you up and that they care about each individual one of you. And so whenever we're coming alongside them, we're not just coming alongside Pastor Mark and Ashley. We're coming alongside the vision that God's placed in them for Valdosta. And so when we get partnered here, man, it's awesome because it's a partnership. It's two-way street. We're, we're assisting you, and then you're assisting the kingdom of God. And guess what we're doing together? We're advancing the kingdom. Amen? So let's see. I got really one more verse, maybe an extra one. We'll see. Um, Colossians chapter 3. Yeah, I'm going to have, I'm going to go to that extra page verse there after this because it's just really good. But Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 says, Slaves in all these things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men. Let me say this. We ain't slaves. We ain't. Because in the kingdom of God, we are sons and daughters. And that slaves is down here. Sons and daughters have full access. That we get to go to the Father whenever we want to. We have... I mean, think about this. Old Testament times, they had to go to a man. He then had to make sacrifice for their sins. Then only that man could go into the most holies of holies and speak to God. But what Jesus did for us, he said, all that has been removed. Now here's your father. And he said, you now have full access because you are a son of the king. Amen. Is that awesome? But moving on here, it says, that we are no longer, it's, uh, here we go. But, but sincerity of, uh, hold on. As those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. And I'll tell you this, there's nothing that could compare to what God can give us. We kind of joke around all the time, me and Robert have this running joke with Chase, that we have anchor faith points. That, you know, as you serve or you do something a little extra, it's like 10,000 anchor faith points. But if you know you break a TV and shatter it in a billion pieces, you would lose like a million anchor faith points. Done that twice. Not a good thing. I'm pretty sure my points are coming back, though. I don't know. Kind of lost count. They're kind of keeping count for me. But here's the thing, is that God's watching these things. And that when we serve, 
when you are at your work on a Monday morning and you don't feel like getting up and you're serving that boss that's yelling at you who is just not nice at all, who are you serving? Really, we got to think about it. Because what this scripture tells us is do. Let's look at it. Here we go. Here we go. Ready, ready, ready? Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. So who are you really serving? And we have to understand that in the kingdom of God, everything we do should point people back to God. When your boss looks at you and is like, man, you're just such a great employee. I just don't understand. Point it back to him. Say, well, it's because I serve God. I'm a kingdom citizen. This is what we do. You should hire more of us. There's a lot of us out there. It would make your business great. Right? Right? Amen. Amen. But here's the thing, is that you don't understand the blessing that comes with a kingdom citizen. Whenever we talk and we try to train our kids in this way, that the moment my foot steps over that threshold, the kingdom of God just showed up. I fussle tire. And so when I'm there, there's a blessing that comes with it. Because you hired me, and you're, you're keeping me employed. So guess what? There's a blessing that comes with that, because I'm here. And you have to understand that that's who you are. That not only is there a part for you to play here at the church, but there's a part for you to play out there in the world. That people need to see you. They need to see your face. They need to hear your voice. And a lot of times, we don't want to do that. We don't want to, you know, I, I told our Kingdom Institute class this. And man, I challenged some of them. It was good. I said, next time you go to Walmart, do not wear your earphones. <laughs> what? I said, yeah, too many times. People put in their earbuds, and they're just going to go do their thing and get out. I said, no, no, no. Kenyan citizens don't do that. I said, you walk around and say, Lord, what's my opportunity today? Who do you want me to speak to? And I will tell you, it is like a scavenger hunt. But I will tell you this, your flesh will not like it. Because half the time, I'm like, no, I'm getting in and out. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to see nobody. Let's do it. And it's like, oh, man. Today, I was getting lunch at Subway. No big deal, right? Super normal, everyday lunch for me. Lady in front of me gets her two sandwiches, and all of a sudden, she books it out to the car. I'm like, what's going on here? They're like, here, you can go ahead and cash out. I never carry cash on me at all. It's just one of my things i got to get better at. But I don't. And so today, I had some cash. So I'm like, well, I'm going to pay for lunch. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to swipe the card. It's easier. Don't have to worry about the jingle in my pocket. We're good. I walk out to my car, and that lady is digging in her truck. And so just that still small voice on the inside, I mean, uh, I just literally looked at her and said, hey, ma'am, what do you need? She goes, what? I said, what do you need? She goes, $2.70. I said, here you go. She goes, are you serious? I said, I guess. I, uh, yeah, here. If, if you need it, just take it. And she goes, oh, thank you so much. I'll see you around sometime. I'll get you back later. I said, don't worry about it. I said, hey, just know that God loves you, and I want you to have a great day. Oh, my gosh, you are amazing. Thank you so much. She ran back inside to pay for, for the rest of her sandwiches. It was nothing I planned on. It was nothing I did, but I was there. And I was able to be part of the body of Christ and fulfill an assignment. Do I know her name? Nope. 
No idea. She was wearing a mask. Don't even know what she looks like. So if I see her again, I have no idea. But guess what? She got touched from God that day. Today. And that was it. And I think I'm not going to pass on this last scripture. I don't know. Let's read it. Let's read it. Shall we? We're wrapping it up. This is the last scripture. And then we're going we're gonna to call it a night. We're good. It's spring break too, right? I mean, we're good. Well, sorry. Sorry, Florida people. You're homeschooled, so it's okay. <laughs> but Romans chapter 8. So I, I, I was reading the scripture the other day, and it's amazing because so many people pull this scripture out, but they don't read the first part of it. And so I want to look at this section here. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 is where it starts. It says, Now in the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For when we do not know what to pray, for as we should... But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to whose purpose? His purpose. Okay? Big factor there. His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among how many? Many. We're talking about the body here. Many members, individual, but they make up Christ. So many brothers and sisters, and these whom he predestined, he also has called. These who he has called, he has also justified. And these whom he is justified, he is also glorified. Then what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And so the reason this scripture was pulling out so much for me the other day is how it starts off. Now the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. Well, we have a church in society as a whole that is stuck in their weakness because they're not drawing on the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the free gift for believers to fulfill their assignment of service. In Acts, whenever we were talking about that, Acts 1.8, it doesn't empower you to just live a life for Christ. It says He will empower you to be His witness that you will then testify of the good things that you've seen God do in your life, just as the disciples did when they watched Jesus walk on this earth. And you have to understand that this is for us. This is who we are, but we have to have this power. And so whenever he goes on, though, I love how he says that to those who are called according to his purpose, we got to lay it all down. We got to put our hand to the plow and never look back and say, Lord, whatever it is that you need, I'm here. I'm here for it. Because I'll tell you this, availability is way more important than your talent. And there's a lot of people out there that are pushing hard to grow their talent, to grow their image, to grow their things, but yet they're not available for God. They've shut it off. And I know I use car analogies a lot. We don't throw that out there. But who's ever tried to push a car that's stalled? Right? Got some people. 
guess what? It's really hard to make that car turn super sharp when it's not moving. But you get that car's momentum going, you get it going a little bit further, and guess what? It's easy to turn. Just like boats. If boats aren't moving, they can't turn. That rudder in the rear actually control is controlled by the water moving past it. That's what gets it to shift and to move. So all of a sudden, if you're just standing still, you can turn that thing as far as you want. You ain't going to turn. And so, so many times people ask, well, I don't feel like there's a spot for me. I just, I'm just waiting for God to tell me where to go, where to put my hand, what to do. Maybe God's waiting on you to just step out. Maybe he's waiting on you to just start getting some momentum. And I'll tell you this. What's the worst thing that can happen by serving in a church? You realize that greeters is not for me. Great. I'm right there with you. It's awesome. It's great. A lot of people tell me I'm a little extra when new guests show up, and they're just a little scared. So, no, that's not the best person to put at the guest experience tent. Natalie, just throw that out there. There's a lot of people that were looking at me like, who is this crazy bald guy? And I'm like, hey, I'm not that crazy. I promise. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. So, but here's the thing. Just get plugged in somewhere. And I'll tell you this, at Anchor Faith Church, we got a lot of opportunities. I mean, I will give the, I'll, I want to give credit where credit's due. Those guys back there and Andre, they are the behind-the-seats guys. And Pastor Mark talks about this all the time. You never realize they're back there until they do something wrong. Or all of a sudden, the screen goes blank. And all of a sudden, everybody goes, what you doing? Or all of a sudden we throw out a random scripture that's not on there and everybody's looking at it and they're like, you going to get that scripture? And it's like, we're working on it. But we got people that are serving in multiple capacities in multiple areas you might not see. But because of their service and because of their faithfulness, it helps keep the ship running, keeps things going. And so if you aren't serving anywhere and you are a vision partner, how it works around Anchor Faith Church is, you go to Vision Partnership. You get to learn the heart, the passion behind Pastor Mark and Ashley and the heart of the vision. And then they explain what avenues there are to serve. But the kingdom of God was designed for service. Even God, or Jesus talks about this when he was on the earth and the disciples were arguing about who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom. And what did he tell them? It would be the servant of all. He said, it's the least of these. It's those ones that are serving others. When Jesus was walking on this earth, he said, I'm going to show you an example. He said, I'm going to wash all your feet. They're like, no, 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 no. You're not washing my feet. Just think about that. They wore sandals and sand. That's nasty. I mean, my kids run around barefoot all the time. And when they get home, their feet are black. And I'm like, that's disgusting, kid. Where are your shoes? He's like, I don't know. I don't know where my shoes are. I'm like, dude. You need shoes. And then all of a sudden he steps on a sticker and he's like, ow, I'm like, that's why you need shoes. Anyway, sorry, soapbox there. I'm, I'm tenderfooted. I don't do no shoes. But Jesus washed his disciples' feet because he was showing them service. And then even whenever it came down to it, back in their society, women and children were looked way down upon. They were considered like the lowest of the lows. But Jesus made it a, a point to say, do not hinder these children coming to me, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so find a spot, get plugged in, 
there's a lot of opportunities. Get with our leadership staff. If you want to serve somewhere, talk to somebody around you. Like I said before, if you are serving in an area, raise your hand. A lot of you raise your hand. So I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But here's the thing. It does not go unnoticed. Even, even if our leadership, even if myself and my wife or Pastor Mark and Ashley don't come to you every service and tell you thank you so much for what you're doing, God does. God sees you every time. He sees your heart. He sees your faithfulness. He even sees those moments where you are just struggling to get out of bed, to get there. But you put your flesh down and said, no, it's because somebody else needs what I have. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.